Hey, today's guest is my good friend Jason Grachanik. Jason returns to the program after some time, not sure how long, but he was on episode 78 called Plant Medicines and Personal Responsibility with Ayahuasca Facilitator and Tobacco Jason Grachanik. And man, I'm so glad to uh, catch up with Jason. You know, we kind of stay in touch and we'll chat on Facebook Messenger and things like that, but Man, it's really good to, to dive into a deep conversation with someone, especially someone like Jason. You know, Jason, I first met down at the Temple of the Way of Light, where he works there as an ayahuasca facilitator. Um, and he's been there since 2012, working with plant medicines and, uh, you know, learning from indigenous Shipibo healers and, and training and apprenticing and, and becoming a tobacco, working with the, the master plant tobacco. And uh, you can learn all about that, too on the podcast that we did. So if you want to listen to that one first, go back to episode 78. You listen to that one, then you come back and and listen to this one. But uh, maybe you could listen to this one first and then that one. One thing to keep in mind, just up top, in case you're one of those skip ahead people, which I don't blame you, uh, the podcast, Jason was was recording from uh, the temple grounds in uh, the Peruvian Amazon, deep, deep in the heart of the jungle. And... um, the internet connection was a little bit, you know, at times. So sometimes you'll hear a little choppiness, a little static, um, a little, you know, drop off. I edit it without driving myself crazy. I gave it, you know, some kind of basic edits, but uh, it gets better towards the end, but it's actually not, it's not a big interference really. There's just a, a couple instances, I'd say maybe five or five or six instances where there's a little bit of a static cutout and it happens for like five seconds. So, uh, and you know, it, it just kind of slows down where he can't talk a little, and then it picks right back up. So, uh, you know, um, it is what it is, you know, supposedly we could send a man to the moon in 1969, walk on the surface of the moon and, transmit the radio, the television video signal back to the earth for everyone to watch on their TVs. But uh, for some strange reason, we can't get a uh, solid, decent internet connection from Denver, Colorado to the jungle outside of Iquitos, Peru. But hey, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not an expert. I'm not a scientist, so I'm whatever. Anyway, the podcast is great. Jason is awesome. I love talking to Jason. And Jason just started his own podcast. I'm super psyched about it. I love when people start podcasts, especially somebody like Jason. I mean, if anybody should have a podcast, it's this guy for sure. So I'm really, really happy that he did it. It looks amazing. I've, uh, I think it just launched yesterday. So I've got the, the three episodes that he put out downloaded on my phone and gonna get ready to dive into that is called the universe within. And that's such a Jason title because Jason is is really all about, you know, all of his teachings, all of his practices, the way that he lives his life, um, you know, is, is all about this, the universe within, the universe inside of ourselves that we have to, you know, first go within if we want to live decently and, and properly uh, in, in, in the outer life that we experience, you know, to, to really contribute to that, to be that, to walk that, to create that. Jason's journey has led him, you know, seeking and searching uh, all around the world. And as I mentioned, he, he came down to uh, work at the Temple of the Way of Light in 2012, uh, working with ayahuasca and apprenticing and doing diets and fasting and, um, you know, 
he ha- he has uh, now um, I don't want to say he's he's now attained the rank of master, but he has, in a certain sense, become uh, an authority now after his his searching and his seeking and his studying, uh, and now as a uh, tobacco. He is uh, administering uh, diets, tobacco diets, plant diets, to share in the traditions in which he has learned that has taught him so much. So uh, he's been living and learning and working, you know, for like, <laughs> again, I would, just, I would say his whole life, right? But, uh, but most specifically in the jungle for the last uh, seven years and um, down at the Temple of the Way of Light. And he, you know, was down there during when this whole pandemic happened in Peru was one of the first countries to go on lockdown. I had another friend that lived in Lima that was talking about how aggressive the lockdowns were and how restrictive things became there. And a good friend, Sophia Rockland, who was down there as well, had to, had to kind of, you know, get out uh, as quick as possible because things were getting really hairy. And uh, Jason remained on the temple grounds along with some other people. So when I caught up with him, when we had a conversation uh, about a couple weeks ago, um, you know, he was kind of telling me a little bit about what that's like. So you'll hear that. And then we kind of talk more about, um, just, you know, the, the sort of, uh, the message that, that he carries within him, the way that he lives his life and the, and the sort of mission and vision that has led to create the podcast. You know, I really look at the podcast of just an extension of ourselves and in this, you know, curious nature to learn and to share, uh, what we've learned and to um, you know, have an opportunity to communicate the messages in, that we feel are most important for others to uh, get a little bit of a, a peek inside the windows to within themselves, which uh, which Jason does so well, and you'll 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 know that from you know the thousands of guests that have gone down to the temple who have worked with him in ceremony, and uh, that he's helped guide through those experiences. So, um, yeah. To find out more, you can go to Jason Grichanik, G-R-E-C-H-A-N-I-K.com and uh, subscribe to his podcast. Give it a listen. If you if you like what I talk about on this show, you're going to love Jason's podcast. I mean, he is reporting from the front lines of the Amazon rainforest in the jungle, working with ayahuasca, working with plants, working with plant medicines, tobacco, and and has so much knowledge from working with all of these things from his, his experience and learning. And, and so I think that, uh, and guiding and facilitating these journeys for others, that uh, it's going to be a great it's going to be a great podcast. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to listen to it. So uh, check that out and uh, The Universe Within. All the links are down there in the, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts where they have like the show description notes and stuff. You could see website, you know, podcast and um, social media and all that kind of stuff to connect and uh, get in touch with him and listen to his stuff. So quick uh, plugs, business stuff to get out of the way. Go to hempbombs.com. Just order something so I can get my damn money from them. Just try it out, okay? It's Mike 15. You get 15% off. What do you have to lose? Try it. You know, if you don't like it, whatever, return it. And then I get a little bit of a, a cut. I mean, you know, it's CBD. They ship everywhere. Just give them a try. Check out their website. Google it. See what people are saying. Don't listen to me. Um, but put in the code Mike 15. You get 15% off. How's that for an ad read, huh? How about that? I'm sure they're real happy with me. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, anyway, um, serious one. Student loan tutor, Zach Geist, 
Also host of the Zeitgeist podcast, ZachGeist, studentloantutor.com. He has helped me tremendously. Him and his team have helped me tremendously. Derek, Michael, and Zach, and and all the great people over at Student Loan Tutor. Go to studentloantutor.com. Get in touch with them. See if they can help you with your student loan. See if they can help you out. And if they can't, you know, first mention you heard about it through Mike Brancatelli, Mike Adelic. And um, if you have loans, if you have debt, just call them. Just get in touch with them. They're willing to to talk with you and see if they can help you in your situation. They have helped me tremendously more than anybody else I thought ever could. Um, Zach is a wizard. His team is filled with magicians and they know what they're doing and they are helping liberate us from the shackles that imprison us in the debt system and especially the student loan, the evil student loan system. So studentloantutor.com, go there, check them out, get in touch with them, say Mike Brancatelli sent you, Mike Adelic, and you know, that's about it, really. You know what to do if you love the show. Tell people about it. Share it. You know, post about it. I love when you guys send me messages. I love when you guys leave five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. It makes me feel really good. It makes other people see that the show is worthy and something to check out, something valuable here. Also helps the algorithm boost us up further in the rankings so the show's more visible and more accessible to people. If you like the messages that I'm talking about, the kind of guests that I have on the show, like Jason and the messages that he's putting forward and his philosophy and his vision, um, you know, let's, let's increase the chances that this gets as much, as much visibility as possible. Leave a five-star rating and review and, uh, go do that and, and tell people about it. You know, if you post on social media, tag me, I always repost and share and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, if you want to become a patron, you get bonuses, bonus episodes, all kinds of other things. And, uh, discord, the, the Discord server that we chat in called the Mycadelic Inner Sanctum comes with a $5 patron membership. But you can donate if you just love the show. If you just want to show your support, you can do- donate, you know, a dollar, two, three Federal Reserve fiat notes, whatever you want. And, uh, you know, a little bit goes a long way. Every little bit counts. I, I really, uh, you know, love and appreciate everybody that takes the time to do those things to support, you know, just individual sole proprietor you know kind of creators like myself out there that are just trying to uh create um create things that uh aren't necessarily uh, heard on a lot of other places and aren't necessarily you know uh allowed to be heard in a lot of other places that have to go through the sort of uh, mechanisms of control and approval and editing before they get polished and shined and put out. And this podcast has always been pretty raw and I try and keep it real and uh, have guests that keep it real on the show as well. And uh, it's interesting. I love that. Keep it real. Cause it sounds like very like a nineties thing, but I'm actually using it because I heard uh, Sharon Salzberg talk about, you know, like what, what meditation was all about. And she's like, well, it's just about getting real, sitting down and getting real. I just like that a lot. So anyway, without further ado, my good friend Jason Grichanik returns to the podcast. We have a great conversation. As I said, there's a there's like minor little glitches here and there. You'll get through it. The content is is phenomenal, so it'll be fine. He was brought, you know, coming in from the um, uh, the Amazon jungle, so you could you know, obviously you can imagine that the internet is not as stable down there. And I know for a fact, it's not have, having been there. So it was amazing that we got the conversation out that we got. Um, yeah. So with that in mind, 
uh, know that that is, you know, <laughs> know that I'm gave, giving the, giving you guys the, the notice of this and I did my best to, to put it out there, but I know that you're going to say it's not that big of a deal and that you enjoyed the hell of it anyway. Cause you know, I, it's, it's a great conversation. Yeah. Let's get into it. Let's get into this great conversation that I keep talking about. My good friend, Jason Grichanik, uh, and go check out his podcast, The Universe Within, all the links below in the description. Let's get into it right now. Psychedelics are illegal, not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Where's the perception? Information is power, but we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. been man uh in general i've been pretty good um the whole quarantine thing here has been uh has been a bit difficult but uh i'm still alive so i guess i can't complain yeah what has that been like being i mean have you just been limited to being at on temple grounds in the jungle yeah man it's uh it's a long story. Uh, we essentially went into lockdown, I think March 16th. And uh, I was originally for two weeks, got extended another two weeks, another two weeks, I think another two weeks, I think a fourth two weeks, then it got extended one month after that, then it got extended another month after that. And now we're on our final, well, who knows, but, but another one month extension. But at least with this extension, things are beginning to slowly open up. So it does seem like it's coming to an end, but it's been uh, it's been quite a journey, um, you know, especially being here in the jungle because it's it, we rely on food being brought in, carried in. Uh, so it's been a, it's been a challenge. It's been a real it's been a real learning process on a lot of levels. But uh, you know, knock on wood, we've we've managed to do it. So we're down to actually to the final three people here now. <laughs> It's like Survivor. <laughs> it is, yeah. Uh, I was I was a little concerned it might turn into uh, Lord of the Flies, but uh, I, I think we've dodged that bullet. Nice. That's good to hear. Cool. Yeah. So how have you been? How have you been passing the time? What have you been? What have you been doing? What have you been up to? I mean, uh, I thought I would have a lot more time uh, because I haven't been working these last three or four months. Um, but I mean, honestly, just the day-to-day -day routines take up a lot of time. Um, you know, living here in the jungle, it's like 
we don't have running water, so all of our water has to be carried in. You know, we don't have running toilets, so that the, the the compost buckets need to be changed. Uh, and you're doing uh, all that. Yeah, we're we're doing all that cooking. You know, organizing the food coming in, um, maintenance, cleaning. I mean, it's it's essentially you know i would imagine like many people know who who live off the land who have a farm there there's never it's never really a a boring day i mean there's always things to be done so essentially most of the days are just filled with basic maintenance of life um it has gotten better as we've gotten into more of a, of a routine of doing that um but yeah really it's just uh doing these these, these really basic things and um uh, you know, there's a little bit of time for, for reading or for going on walks, but it's, it's pretty much just kind of like having land and, and, and living off the land. So, mm. yeah. What kind of things did, did, uh, did you learn from this uh, experience? <laughs> Boy, uh, a lot. I mean, it's a, it's a continuous learning process. Um, I mean, even this, this work we do here, working with, with plants, um, you know, a lot of that work, it's, it's been testing a lot of the things I've, I've seen for myself. I found for myself advice that, that, that myself and others give to others, you know, things like patience and trust and, and putting these things into practice. It's, it's been, uh, it's, it's been a real, uh, a real learning process, a challenge on, on, on a lot of levels, uh, you know, being with, being kind of isolated with some people. I mean, we were, we were actually in, in quarantine for a long time. So almost in isolation with no contact and, uh, just, just a lot of things, you know, it's, um, and yeah, then, then all of the, the, the worldwide situation that's arising with the coronavirus and going into that. And, um, you know, I, I know your podcast, at least when I met you first, it was, it was very much, with this idea of kind of this libertarian mindset. And, and I'd say, if anything, that's just become stronger because, uh, you know, it, it's really kind of realizing that, that, that the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, but often those intentions have actually massively deleterious consequences when we don't really think those things through. And, uh, and, and so it's been, yeah, real, just an in, in investigation, a continuing investigation for me of, uh, you know, what is real, what is true, what's important, uh, you know, how, how, how to run things, how, how to really think about these things, not only in a personal level, but on a community level, on, on, a, on a state level, on a worldwide level. So, yeah, man, it, it's been a, it's been a huge, huge learning process on, on, on many different levels. So, mm. um, yeah. Yeah. Putting, putting that, the, those ideas into practice, avoiding the, the Lord of the Flies scenarios, uh, you know, mm -hmm. practicing the uh, real self-empowered, self-reliant life, which mm -hmm. is definitely something that I'm kind of inching more and more towards as as I've moved uh, to Denver from New York City after uh, living there pretty much my whole life and, and just, you know, spending a lot more time outdoors and in nature. I'm like, creeping more and more towards like, well, maybe I'll like buy some land. Maybe I'll live off grid. Like maybe I'll do something like that. I just really, really want to be, uh, I, I don't, I really just don't want to be dependent upon this machine of the state, you know, that, that, uh, and yeah, I, I, I still, 
I still hope this podcast speaks through uh, with that core, the core ideas of liberty, because I feel like if you just, uh, if you don't have that, what do you have? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and we're seeing a lot of crazy, scary, but also like hilarious and absurd things that are taking place. And I, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, being in the States, just like witnessing all, all of this stuff and, you know, the, the coronavirus and then the, the, the murder of, of George Floyd and then the protests and the riots and now it's the COVID stuff and the cancel culture stuff. And it's just like all this stuff. And then here you are in the jungle and you're still paying attention, but you're also focusing on the really true, real facts of like living life and surviving. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think so many people are, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, for me, it's again, one of these principles of something like you mentioned this word liberty, uh, you know, which, which is a very individual thing. Everyone views liberty in a different way. And when we have these sweeping regulations that, that we say, this is how things are, this thing's how, these are how things should be on, on a scale that affects everyone we're all in different situations and those, those kind of policies again, can be very deleterious for, for people. And, you know, it's one of the books that I, I often go back to is, is the, the Tao Te Ching, which, which was a really profound book in, in my development. And, you know, really, really based on these ideas of, you know, there, there, there's certain quotes in there that just always really resonate with me. Like, like the, this quote of, let go of the common good and the good becomes as common as grass. And it's, it's very much, you know, even in this work we do with plants, it's a very similar thing. Um, you know, another quote that, that really sticks to me is, is trust in people, leave them alone. <laughs> and, and that's very difficult for a lot of us to, to, to really envision and to embody because you know, so many of us, we, we have this idea that, that I need to do good or even these things that are, that are happening in the U.S., which, which I do keep a peripheral view. But, you know, these ideas of like social justice and, and wanting to be good or, and, and to do good. And I think it's an innate quality in human beings. Uh, but there's often still a disconnect there because there's this idea of, of imposing my idea of, of good onto someone else. And, and we all have different ideas. We, we all have different beliefs, different values in life, different ways of living. And, you know, this idea that there is one way that should be imposed on people, it's, uh, it's, there's something beautiful in that, but there's also something very arrogant in that. And it's, uh, you know, we we actually had a podcast a while ago, you know, talking more about plant work and plant medicine. And it's, uh, you know, it's a very common thing, even with this work, is, is this idea of, of wanting to control, wanting to impose my idea on how things should be. And, and it's, it's, even with good intentions, it's very much a recipe for disaster because it's, it, it's trying to impose this idea of I know. It's 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 the the I know mind that wants to control that, that wants to control its environment and 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 with this idea that if I could control everything, if things worked the way I wanted, then the world would be good. Then I would be good. 
and yet, you know, often what this this medicine I think very much points to is is that that's actually the root of all of our suffering. When I try and control that which is beyond my control, it leads to this to this loop of of constantly trying to strive for something that's actually unachievable. And that doesn't mean we 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 don't take action, we don't do things, but but it always has to be looked at kind of from a detached point of view with the willingness to see I may be wrong. There, there may be things that, that I, I actually have no idea about. And uh, yeah, and, and so that's that's also something I think that, that even this the, the COVID thing is really brought up. And, and I think we're seeing that on, on so many different levels is even these policies, which seemingly maybe happened with good intentions, there's so many consequences that, that we may have no idea about. And then it really depends, you know, how, <laughs> how far down the rabbit hole you, you, you're willing to go as to whether these things actually were with good. And right. Yeah. Well, I'm willing to dive all the way down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, certainly I, as we probably talked about before, I mean, anytime I see something, where something is being used out of fear to to control to to exert force uh to to take away you know from an american point of view these these god-given rights these birthrights to 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 our lives to our liberty to our pursuit of happiness whatever that is for for an individual that's always a a huge red flag for me and that's been a, a red flag since the beginning and that's a very difficult thing, I think, for people to do, uh, because again, even in this work, from from what I found from my own experience and through working with so many people now, is that is that fear is it is the primordial what we could say negative emotion that keeps us separated, and and many people think they don't have fear, but but if someone said that, I, I wouldn't believe them. <laughs> Um, because also fear manifests in, in, in many different qualities. It could be anger, jealousy, resentment, but it's, it's this primordial, you know, archetype of separation of, of, you know, we're, we're, we're coming from, we go to this place of, of union, of peace, of the garden of Eden, of, uh, uh, you know, unity, God, whatever word resonates for you. But the primordial split is the split into duality. And it's a beautiful thing because that's the manifestation of the universe. That's the 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 observer and the observed, me and you. It's what it's the spark that that, that created life. But paradoxically, in that there's there's the primordial fear, which is the me and the other, and and what happens when there's no me, and and you know I think in many spiritual traditions they point to to this is the actual root of all of our suffering this initial split this initial this initial separation mm -hmm. and uh, you know and so with that there's always this fear of the unknown it, it's the mind again trying to control things to create this perceived sense of comfort of safety of stability uh, and yet in an ultimate sense everything in an ultimate sense is out of our control it's you know in zen they often have this saying of that the knife can cut everything but the knife can never cut itself and it's very very much the same with the mind the mind has the potential to know everything but the one thing it can never know is itself and 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 in that in that 
the, the, the nature of the mind trying to control, trying to understand. We do. We, we do many things with good intentions, but we don't realize all of the other unintended things. And, you know, and so because fear is, is such a powerful emotion, you know, fear for me is, is the final emotion or state that if one is able to overcome that, one experiences the opposite of that, which is peace or liberation or unity. But, yeah. you know, because of that, the fear has such a tremendous power. And, and I think when we look at any of these things, uh, you know, COVID or uh, the war against another country or, you know, that evolved into the war on terror. And, and now it's, it, it's also this idea of, of a war and a virus. Uh, you know, Eckhart Tolle, who I have a lot of respect for, I think he says it very well, which is anytime he hears one of these campaigns that's, that, that, that has this either overt war quality or, or a more subtle quality, like, like on COVID, he knows it's doomed to fail. Because always with war, it's, it's functioning within that duality of me and someone else, me and an enemy. And as long as I can conquer that enemy, then I'll be okay. But it's just perpetuating the same cycle. And, and so all of those wars are, are doomed to fail. But fear is the most powerful tool to begin to, to create a war. Because when we're afraid, it's much easier for us to begin to to give up our liberty, our liberties, our, our freedoms, to to trust in some higher power, whether that's through a religious organization or a perceived sense of, of a god who who is going to take care of us. And and I think very much in this day and age, a government has really become, in a sense, a, a god, a a father figure, someone who who will take care of us. Um, and I, you know, I think for so many people, you know, especially something like COVID, which is kind of this, this new thing, it's a new war, it's this new threat. Even so many people who I saw were very principled in maybe other aspects that, that, that align to these ideas, they were also very quick to, to fall into those traps of fear, to, to fall into those traps of, well, I get the principle, but this is something different, and therefore I'm willing to give it up. And it's very much, uh, I think it was Benjamin Franklin who had this this really beautiful quote, which is, if we give up any freedom for a perceived sense of security, then we actually deserve neither. Because it's actually the... <laughs> The, the, the freedom, the liberty is the security. That is the very thing that's there to keep us free. And when we lose that, we fall into this, this trap of essentially enslavement. So, um, yeah. yeah, that was maybe a bit, bit long of a rant, but... Um, no, no, it's all welcome, Jason. This is what this podcast <laughs> is for. I want this. I want this. Um, it's good stuff, man. Yeah, it's... And... <sighs> Yeah, the fear is so strong. And, you know, one of the scariest parts of, of the fear being so strong and the conditioning and the brainwashing and, the, and that sort of thing is the, the people turning on each other. You know, when, mm. you know, it's, it's the, the people, I guess they call them like the, the Karens now, or, you know, the people who are ratting on each other. You even had the governor of, of California say, like, if you see people not wearing, you know, turn them in and report them. And this, this reliance and this, this, um, 
really what's birthed out of this fear. And it reminds me of this quote that I love to say all the time by, by Thomas Jefferson, which is timid men prefer the calm of despotism to the tempestuous sea of liberty. And it's mm-hmm. like, I, I, I just, I see that so much in the world is that we have been led down this, this sort of road where everything is centralized. Everything is uh, concentrated into a large organizations and large systems uh, spreading out from government to everything that government touches, which is a lot. So it keeps us dependent upon these kind of savior figures and, and things, which keeps us in this kind of state of fear. But I guess my question is, you know, you're, you're a well-read person and, and you're someone that, you know, is looking at your blog and you're posting about the Lakota and power and black elk and, and things like that. And it's like, it seems that there's, there are traditions that we can learn from that have a different relationship to power and have a different relationship to what it means to, to really live in the world. So like what, you know, maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Cause it just seems like we've, we've been sort of stuck in this, in this repetitive nature of being subservient and dependent and fearful for so long, but uh, possibly maybe there's, there's other ways that we can begin to learn from. Absolutely. Uh, I finished a book recently on, on, on crazy horse and, and also uh, black elk, uh, black elk speaks was also a really formative book I, I had read uh, when I was young. And these, you know, these are the people that really stand the test of time. These people like Black Elk because they, they were pointing towards the truth. Someone like Crazy Horse, why he had principles and he followed those. Even, even when his own people turned on him, uh, that's something, you know, if people aren't... And, uh, and he really fought against the U.S. government for the rights of... of of the Lakota. And it was an interesting time because there were, that there was this new group of people coming in uh, that they, they were wanting to expand to, to have more control. And the, the, the guy who wrote this book, I forget his name, but, but he was a Lakota. Um, and I, I really respected the way he wrote because it wasn't from a place of division. It wasn't like the white man was bad and, and, and the, 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 the Lakota were good. It, you know, this also is the mentality that keeps us divided, that, that somehow we're the, we're the member of a group or the, 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 the color of my skin is who I am or my gender or my sex or my religion. And, you know, it's been said, I think, really beautiful that that the greatest minority is the individual because there's only one of us. There's not even two. (laughs) So, you know, the if you can respect the rights of the individual, you respect the rights of literally every single human being. And what I found really beautiful about this author was you know, when the when the Europeans came uh, oh, one second, into you just, the, you cut, the you, and, and you, you had just this cut out quote, there for you know, a second. Uh, actually, maybe I can. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, I, I was actually going to look for this quote because I I have it. Uh, yeah. I think right here. And, oh yeah, that'd be great. Uh, it's just it's a it's a really really beautiful quote. Yeah, he says um, this is from the book uh, the the journey of Crazy Horse, and he says. But the soldiers were not the only ones to cause the turmoil of the past four months. The finger of blame could be pointed at many Lakota as well. 
In fact, they were mostly to blame. The white agents, they were kind of the, the government representatives, and the army officers fanned the flames of jealousy and let little minds that could not think beyond the moment and little men who yearned for the recognition and power do the rest. There was no other way to look at it. In the end, the Lakota defeated themselves. They had the whites outnumbered and outmanned and did nothing. The entire garrison could have been overrun by enough determined Lakota fighting men with a good plan if they truly wanted to return to living the old way in control of their lands and their lives. Instead, men stepped over each other to betray their own relatives in order to obtain the power handed out by the whites, the power they couldn't get on their own. And, you know, for me, that's, that's super symbolic because, you know, we all have that choice on a, on a day-to-day, a moment-by-moment choice, you know, and as you said, that, that that ability to, to to lead the life we want again there's a tremendous fear in that and it, it takes courage and it takes principles to really to really say this is what i believe in and that's what crazy horse believed in he believed in those principles he believed that hey we want this land we want to live our lifestyle but many of his own people disagreed with him and in the end it was his own people who wanted, you know, the enticing things that the government gave them, the food rations, the, the titles, the, uh, the, the, the handouts, the money. And in the end, that led to their own demise. And, and again, it, it's, it's a very difficult thing because those things are very enticing. But in the end, it led to their own destruction. Right. And, you know, even, even here in the Amazon, I, I think we often have this idea of, you know, many of these indigenous groups uh, had chiefs and, and there was kind of a hierarchy. And, you know, from what I've seen and from what I've read, that was actually not the case. The chief, the representative, the official, that was something that was Adams came in. They wanted a representative. Like, who do we talk to? Who represents you as a group? And most of the groups were like, we don't have anyone representing of us. Every man is free. Every, every man is the, the, the manifester of his own destiny. And so they weren't able to negotiate. And it, it wasn't, you know, for, for a long time before they realized, oh, okay, we need a representative. But even those early representatives, even by the tribes themselves, they were looked at almost like traitors, because how can you represent the, the rights or the will of, of any other? Uh, there's, there's another really good book. It's called uh, Don't Sleep, There Are Snakes. And mm. it was this missionary who came down uh, originally just to learn the language. Uh, and they had this very unique language. And um, essentially, after living for a long time with them, he gave up Christianity because he realized these people were actually far happier than his own people. They, they had everything they needed. They're, he just saw in them a different way of life. And he gives a really you know, good story and, and kind of a, a good example of how they lived, which was someone's house, which was very simple, but it, it, it fell down in the storm. And everyone started laughing. <laughs> it wasn't a big deal. It was just, uh, there goes his house. You know, there weren't riots. There weren't, uh, this is unacceptable. You know, someone needs to come and fix his house. No, they, they laughed. It, it was funny. But what did they do? 
every person in that tribe came together and working together, they built a new house. But it wasn't, it wasn't, there wasn't a chief or a shaman who said, hey, you have to go build that house. If you don't, we're ultimately going to use coercion and force to force you to build that house. Or, you know, you pay taxes, therefore we're going to use the collective tax money to pay that, to, to, to rebuild that house. No, they all built it because that's what you do as a community. If someone's house falls down, you come together and you rebuild the house. Why? Because it's for the good of the people who are there. It's for their own interest, but also for the interest of the group. Because then if my house falls down and I participated in building someone else's house, then everyone inevitably is going to come and build my house. And it's a much more efficient system. Now, if someone doesn't want to go and, and build that guy's house, they don't have to. Nobody's going to force them to do it. But if I don't participate in that and then my house falls down, guess what? People probably aren't going to show up. So it's in our self-interest to actually help, to, to, to help, to share, to, to work as a community. But it's not that someone is telling us we have to do that. And, and it's not coming from a hierarchical place. It's actually coming from a place of my family, of my community, of, 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 of my land, of a collective land, of a, a collective idea. Um, and, you know, so in this way, you know, I, I, I think it is, it's a radically different way of thinking. And I think, again, for many people, it's very scary. Again, it comes back to fear. You know, all of these things, who will look after me? Who will take care of me if I have a problem? And I think also, in a sense, through some of the societies we've built, there isn't inherently that support structure because we have gotten away from it. And, and so it's very difficult for people to align to a different way of thinking because, again, it's very scary, as, as they would say in Christianity, to, to enter the kingdom of heaven, even the clothes on our body we have to leave behind. You know, truly, we have to stand naked in the face of, of awe of, of the creator. And that's the way we're free. But that's very scary. You know, how many people are really willing to do that? And yet, seemingly, that's where ultimate freedom lies. So, you know, I, I, I really understand and, and I sympathize for, for where a lot of people are coming from. And, and again, it's not to take away from, from our ability to change, to, to, to protest, to, to, to affect change. But, but what really is important too, which is very fundamental, I think, to any holistic system, is even the system we're working with here with plant medicine, if, if I'm a plant doctor and I'm only trying to put a patch on the problem, inevitably the problem will rear itself and there's no patch that I'll be able to put that's going to be able to fix it because the root of the problem will get far too expansive for me to be able to fix it. So the real power in, in a holistic medicine is actually trying to get to the root of the problem. And often that requires a radically different approach. And it's often a very scary approach because it means actually going into the root of the problem, going into the beliefs, going into the patterns, going into how am I also involved in that? Because it's much easier to put the blame on the problem. I have cancer, it's cancer's fault. <laughs> I'm depressed, it's because chemicals in my body are out of balance. But what's my relationship to that? 
How do I take responsibility for that? How do I go into myself and actually get to the root of the problem? And, 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 and that's a very, it can be a very difficult thing and, and a very scary thing. So yeah, definitely. I think that's where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. I really like what you said leading this off with how these indigenous tribes, a lot of them didn't have chiefs and it was only the people that were coming in asking for that kind of representation and then, you know, essentially forming some kind of a hierarchy, but then, you know, the, those people being like, what are you talking like what are you talking about man like everyone here just like rules their is like the the manifestor of their own destiny rules their own life like that i mean that is such a i feel like it's such a lost concept on uh, a lot of people in the world today because of like you were talking about with with uh with black elk and and his tribe and this promise of technology and things are going to get better where um, you know, things are going to be more efficient, more connected. And uh, that seems to be very alluring to a lot of people right now. But it, it creates this sort of um, disconnection, this separation, this, dis- this disconnection that we're not, we don't really have skin in the game. We call, we like to pay lip service to words like communities and states. They're not those real embedded, enmeshed, uh, I think the word Charles Eisenstein uses is the interbeing. You know, when you when you actually are participating in the creation of community and and a, and a bond with somebody else by, you know, like you know, I I live in a neighborhood. I I don't know most of my neighbors. Like, I, is this a community? I mean, I don't know. You know, and so we we've we've definitely we've definitely got a, a long ways to go. I I I tend to see what's going on in the world and think, well, I guess I don't know. Catastrophe may, might wake us up. <laughs> I don't know. Is that a pessimistic view? But yeah, I, I mean, it often does. Uh, the, the 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 work we do here, we we do here with with plants and plant medicine. Uh, that's really where the root of a lot of the change ha- change happens. Is it's it's really going into the darkness. It's it's going into to that 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 complete destruction. Um, but with that, that's a tremendously difficult journey. And it, it takes a real dedication, a real willingness to go into that. And it doesn't have to be that way as well. It's, uh, you know, for many people, that's a last resort. And, you know, there are ways of changing things without completely destroying something. Because again, if we completely destroy something, we actually don't know what's on the other side. Maybe it's better. Maybe it's far worse. Uh, that that's something that happened with with communism or socialism in, in many countries was again this idea of we need to completely tear everything down because then it will be better, but unfortunately ended up far worse. So you know these things are these things are very they're they're very tricky and yet that's where you know for me these books like the Tao Te Ching they're they're so powerful because they're so simple. And yet in the simplicity, there, there's very often a resistance to that because can it be that simple? <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. I, I, I definitely see that a lot. I see a lot of people, smart people, people that I respect, I'm like, well, well, that's, you know, that's a simplistic view. It's a little bit more complicated than that and trying to sort of like overcomplicate things. And, uh, 
yeah, uh, it's uh, it's it's kind of amazing to see. We I I think we live in a in a world right now with a tendency to 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 overcomplicate a lot of things for no no particular reason other than maybe I don't know we're bored and we like the 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 complexity of the drama. Yeah, and and ultimately, as we were talking about earlier, a lot comes from this idea of the world needs to be the way that I want it to be for everyone to be happy, and and yet on a fundamental level, we know that's not true. You know, we know people are different. And so to impose any system onto someone else, you know, that is the, that is that, that colonial mentality of, I know what's best for you. Therefore, even if you don't want it, I'm going to impose it on you because I know what's best. And it's, uh, it's very fascinating. There's there's a guy I I, I don't know him well, but I, he's the head of ICEARS, which is uh, mm. one of the the big organizations that that helps to promote plant medicine. And he said it very beautifully. He said uh, when the when the colonizers came, you know, four or five hundred years ago, the indigenous people were too indigenous. They needed to be more Western. And today, it's the opposite. We look at indigenous people and we say, oh, well, they're too Western. They need to be more indigenous. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. But it's, it's the same mentality. It's the mentality that, that I know and I'm going to take action to make sure that you align to what I think is right. And that's where that idea of, you know, letting go of the common good, because ultimately, I don't know. I can't know. It's literally impossible for me to know you. I mean, even in this language that's often used now, like, I can never know your lived experience. That's true. <laughs> so why would you try and impose your lived experience on my lived experience? It's, uh, it's insanity. But, yeah. but again, yeah. that's, that's the nature of the human mind. So it is, isn't it? I mean, it's, and it's, it's like, we, we don't, a lot of the times it's it's so funny to me how we can't really make connections if something is going on on an individual level or an interpersonal level it's like yeah okay we can kind of get how sort of what you're talking about here what we're talking about would apply to that situation like nobody would would ever think of like coming in and and de determining how a couple should behave and how a couple should you know if you have problems with your girlfriend your partner or whatever it's like okay, we're going to tell you what to do. This is what you're going to do. You're going to, she's going to do this. You're going to do that. And if you guys don't do it, we're going to kidnap you and throw you in a cage. So you better listen and you better shape up and, and get right. It's like, no, like clearly if there's a couple that's fighting and arguing, maybe they should just separate and go their separate ways and go somewhere else, you know, and find peace some other way. So, you know, I think about that and I think it was, I forget if it was Thomas Sowell who said that or someone was like, you know, the United States, it's like, you know, if, if people, people can't agree, it's like, do what a married couple that is fighting would do, get a divorce, you know, and it, this, this concept seems to be, you know, I think when you bring it up, a lot of people are like, well, you know, the civil war and then slavery and all this stuff, you know, we have to be united and unity and it's this tricky thing, right? Because it's like in one way, it's like, yeah, I think like a union and a harmony sounds pretty good. But also imposing a union and, and imposing harmony and mandating it, that's not so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, even, even something like, like slavery, it arose again from this fundamental principle of 
not protecting the right of every individual to his life, liberty, and the, the pursuit of happiness. Uh, you know, there, there were even these government policies, like the three-fifths policy, you know, that, that, that a black man was actually only three-fifths of a human being. Therefore, he didn't have the right to own a firearm, to protect himself, to actually take control of his life, to manifest his destiny, to, to, to protect himself from the aggressor, whether that was a, a, a slave owner or a government who was telling him, no, you have to do this. And, and so again, that, that principle is so important. And, and, you know, like libertarianism, for example, it, it's, it's just that very fundamental, fundamental principle of non-aggression of, hey, live your life how you want, but you don't have the right to interfere with someone else's ability. Now, obviously, you know, within that, all sorts of things can arise. You know, I want to play my music at, at, at two in the morning, uh, and that's my right. Well, but that also affects your neighbor's right to, to sleep. So, you know, within that, that, that's why none of these things are easy. You know, there's always going to be work that has to be done. But if we can respect those principles, I think we give ourselves the, the fundamental basis of how to create a society that actually does honor all of that. And I think the U.S. is, is such a good example. I mean, that's what the U.S. was founded upon, was these people actually fleeing their homes because they didn't have the ability to, to live their lives how they wanted, because they had governments or they had institutions telling them, you're not allowed to practice your religion. You're not allowed to do this. You can't do this. And so they, they, they fled looking to, to, to live in a place that allowed them to do that. Now, obviously, fundamentally, which so often happens, <laughs> is when we, we, we see those things for ourselves and we understand the importance of that, but often we're not willing to extend that to someone else. And, 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 and this is where these, these things arise from. And, and you know, the, the atrocities that have been committed all throughout history, you know, slavery, war, uh, conquering, it, it comes from that same place. It comes from imposing, again, my way of being onto someone else. Um, yeah. So, yeah. 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 Do you, do you, given that fact, you know, that we've seen, and I think it was uh, Ronald Wright in his book, Short History of Progress, who said like, you know, that every empire has risen and fallen. You know, every empire, uh, it, it extends itself very far ab uh, abroad and becomes aggressive and it becomes, you know, controlling and despotic at home and collapses usually due to like, you know, inflation and, and all kinds of other divisiveness and, and chaos. So it's like, man, those patterns have been repeating. It doesn't seem like anybody really takes notice except for maybe a few people um but like yeah are we just are we just kind of like doomed to repeat this site like is there gonna be you know a are people gonna wake up and get it and everyone's you know gonna be like wow we changed the world man like i see i hear a lot of like this this kind of talk i but i also just tend to kind of think that I don't know, man. Like this is the, this is the way it is. Like we're it's you got to just kind of take care of yourself and the people around you. Tend to the part of the garden that you can touch. You know, take care of yourself. Like I know you're you're starting a, a new uh, podcast that I'm really excited about called uh, the Universe Within, right? Mm -hmm. And so, title still still a little undefined, but yeah, okay. I think so. <laughs> but the, the general idea is this this entire universe that we have inside of ourselves and yeah. how you know it may be 
cliche to say, and you hear it everywhere you go in spiritual communities, but it really does start within because as within, so without, and as above, so below and so forth. And so, uh, so yeah, it's like, what's the, what do you, how do you see like the future? Like where do you see, um, the world in like 20 years or something like that. Like what, I mean, I know there's probably a number of potential outcomes, but uh, do you, I guess like, do you have hope that maybe that, uh, that things could turn around, you know, in a positive. Well, I think, I think always uh, if, if, if we as humans had no hope, then there would be no reason to live. And um, <laughs> it's, it's something that, that I've seen a lot through this working with plants and, uh, and, and, and also, I think that's why history is so important, actually learning from the past. Um, I think there's so many esoteric traditions to, that, that point to these things, but the, 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 the world is never stagnant. And, and I think, again, a lot of our suffering comes from this idea that if only we got to this place, then everything would be good. And yet that's never the case, and that's never been the case. You know, the, the universe... Uh, is always in a state of, of, of entropy, of change. It's, it's, it's the fundamental principle of, of this reality. And uh, it, again, you know, on a side note, that's one of the really powerful aspects of plant medicine is it does give us, one could say, access to, to other states of reality where we are perhaps able to see things on, in, in different ways that we're not able to in this reality. But in this reality, one of, if not the most fundamental principle, is this aspect of change. Everything is in a constant state of change. Uh, the tree is constantly growing, changing, uh, evolving, and eventually it, it, it goes into a state of decay, and, 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 and then it changes into something else, and something else grows out of that. So also in this work, uh, for anyone who's not familiar with it, but in many of these these plant medicine traditions, like with ayahuasca or tobacco or iboga or any of these things, there's there's always this archetypical battle between the light and the dark, uh, and that if if humans don't participate in that, then darkness will arise. And so that's the path of the curandero or the shaman is to try and keep these things in balance, to try and feed the light so that it's able to balance out the dark or even overcome the dark. And in, in, in many ancient traditions, they, they, they viewed time like that, that it was in a constant process of change, that, that we actually live in cycles of, of epochs, uh, in, in the Vedas, they, they talked about yugas, or, or in, in the, the Mayan system, it was the same thing. You know, like the, the 2012 thing wasn't the end of the world, it was the end of a cycle, of an epoch. And without going too much into it, but a lot of this was based on these really advanced technologies of things like procession, of, of these people who were supposedly extremely primitive, and yet they realized that the, 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 the earth followed three motions one it rotated around itself two it rotated around the sun or the, the sun and the the earth were in rotation uh amongst themselves but there was a third which is this idea called procession and you know essentially every 72 years through the wobbling of the earth when we look at the cosmos it shifts one degree you know in 72 years 
is essentially the, the average span of a human life. So even in one human life, if you were to observe from birth to death, you would only notice a one degree change. And yet these people observe that to be a fundamental principle of, of this earth, of the universe, of the cosmos. And so in that way, if you extrapolate that, you know, 360 degrees being a full rotation, you come up with something like 25,000 years. And that was called the, the, the great epoch or the great cycle. And then you break that down within, you know, 12 months. We have 12 zodiac symbols, you know, 12, 12 disciples of Jesus. It's a very prominent number. Uh, but then you got these, these, these cycles of, you know, 25,000 divided by 12, you know, essentially 2,000 years. And that every 2,000 years, humanity went through a fairly large shift of consciousness. And, you know, even the, 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 the Jesus story, and, and I don't want to go too much into this because it, it might be uh, triggering for some people, but, you know, essentially Jesus was, was the age of, of, of Pisces. That's why he was often represented by the fish. And, and, and he was the transition in, out of and into this new age of the age of Aquarius. And so essentially, you know, all of these cultures throughout the world were saying the same thing, that the universe is always in a constant state of change. And that, and that means humanity is always in a constant state of change, that we're always evolving, we're shifting, and we're, we're moving towards something. But with that, we also have the ability to 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 die, to, to crash, to start again from zero, and then re-evolve, potentially re-evolve in an even greater way. But like anything, in order to do that, we have to go into the darkness. We, we, have, we have to burn. And, and that's also what this plant medicine is pointing towards. You know, it's uh, as, as we tell any and everyone who comes down to work with these medicines like ayahuasca, this work is not easy. You know, if it was easy, everyone would do it and everyone would be happy and the world would be full of unicorns and rainbows and we'd, we'd be dancing on clouds, but it's not. It takes a tremendous courage and a tremendous willpower to be willing to go into the darkness, to go into the destruction, you know, to, to be swallowed into the void of the universe, to, 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 to lose the sense of self, the, 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 the sense of everything we know to be true. You know, that's the archetypical Buddha's journey. That's the archetypical Christ journey is to dissolve into the infinite. And with that is actually liberation because everything, all of our fears, all of our anxieties, everything that we project that's wrong in the world, we project it into that fear, into that darkness, into the archetypical bad, the, the, the devil, the forces of darkness. And we fight against that and we fight and we fight. And yet we never actually, in a sense, question what is on the other side of that. And you know, going back to, for example, how the U.S. was formed, you know, even with this quite beautiful system that was formed based on these ideas of, of, of enlightenment uh, philosophy, that even, even you know, the, the people who created that said it's a constant battle. You know, the nature of a government of anything is, is tyranny. The, 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 the nature of anything is to grow, to expand. And so unless there's a constant checks and balance, unless there's a constant struggle to keep that in balance, eventually 
that will overcome. And so it's up to every, every person, every individual to constantly be aware, to constantly question, to constantly go inside themselves, see what is real, what is true, and then to bring that out into the world. And, and, and to bring that out into a world that, again, doesn't feed that same energy, but that actually supports it through... In, in Buddhist terminology, through through right action, through through right being, which is not creating more division, but actually feeding the very thing that we want to create, and that's a, again a very difficult thing for humans to do because often our natural tendency is to fight against something, but as I think so much of us are, are perhaps beginning to realize, you know, when we fight war with war. It's just war and it's feeding that same energy. So, so how do we step outside of that and actually feed it from the very thing that we want? And again, that's very, you know, it's so very difficult for the human to do because it's so much easier to say, this is bad. That's the thing that's evil. Right. But when we do that, we, we omit ourselves from that process. And for me, the, the, the true challenge is actually going inside and seeing, oh, well, what is bad in me? Where is the war inside of me? Where is the anger inside of me? Where is the racism inside of me? Where is the police brutality inside of me? Where is the tyranny inside of me? Where is the desire for power inside of me? And if I can come to terms with that, if I can find a way out, then I'm able to actually share that. And that was also essentially the Buddhist teaching. You know, there is suffering. Suffering is inherent in humanity. And there's a way out. And this is the way. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, something that I see too is also, I mean, you know, Jason, this is like, you really have to work to be a master of yourself. And so many people just aren't, you know, I, I didn't necessarily grow up with those principles and values, um, you know, uh, baked into me. I certainly got some of them from parents and people around me here and there, but I also had to really unlearn and relearn and go into scary, dark, terrifying parts and, and, just keep going in and keep going in and I'm still doing it. And, you know, but there is this, 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 these, there's so many traps along the way, like Cho Young Trumpa writes in his amazing book, uh, cutting through spiritual materialism as well. It's like, you know, seeing those parts, as you said in yourself, but then there's also this thing that I've noticed where it's like, we also, a lot of people get addicted to the the process of like, well, I'm really, I got to work on myself and I got to, you know, it, it becomes this sort of obsessive thing that is almost like instead of fighting that war on the outside, which is probably spilling over as well, there's this intense battle to fix and to change now. It's got to be different now. So there's even this this element of that that presents itself in a sort of a trap. So it's really you're really having to to, and again I always think of you when I think of this. It's like it's neither good nor bad. You know, it's like finding this this fucking this subtle balance in between all things, which is so complex. You know, because we we are so conditioned and primed and trained to see heroes, villains, good, bad you know, dark light. 
And if something is bad within us to fight it, to eradicate it, you know, to wipe it away. Um, so yeah, it's like, how does one even, how does, how does one even begin to understand how to have balance? Is that such something that comes with time, with trial and error, do you think? Like, or, or just a, a willingness to, to kind of pick yourself up and, and keep going back in there? You know, like I was saying, I, I grew up uh, playing sports and um, it, it's something we're seeing in, I think, a lot in American culture too, is this idea of, you know, competition is bad or, uh, you know, everyone needs an award. And, um, but again, it, you know, the idea of that is noble. There, there, there's something beautiful in that. But if we go to one extreme, we get away from how nature actually works. You know, things are unequal. It's, it's not that something is inherently better, but things are different. Uh, you know, every, I'm, I'm looking outside right now, and every, every one of these two trees is different. Not a single one is, is equal. There, there's, a, there's a cacao tree there and a cacao tree there, and they're different, even though they're the same tree. And... You know, something I think is really valuable about sports is, is, it, is, it, is it actually teaches one a lot. It teaches one about real principles that if I, if I work, if I strive, if I train my body, if, if I train longer than the guy uh, who's just sitting on his couch and eating, you know, potato chips, I put myself in an advantage. And that's, that's a real thing. And, you know, that takes trial and error. And, you know, one of the... One of the sports that I, I think is, is really beautiful uh, is, is Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, martial art, because it's, it's, it's so real and it's so visceral. You know, one can have any idea about what they want, you know, that weight and mass isn't real. That's a great, that's a great belief to have. You'll find out on day one that that's not true. <laughs> It's just that simple. You know, I have an idea that, that strength isn't real. Well, that's great. Put it to the test and you'll find out on day one that that's not real. I have a belief that, that, that men and women are the same. That's a great belief, but you put it to the test on day one and you find that that's not real. And again, it's not that one is better than the other. It's just there's differences. There's fundamental differences. And you know, this is the arising of wisdom because we all have these beliefs. We, we all have things that we think to be true, but truth has to be, it has to be actionable. We have to put it into practice and we have to see, well, what are the results? And through that experience of doing something time and time again, we get closer actually to th the truth. And, and it's not through a process of believing something, it's through a process of actioning something. And through the shedding away of what's not true, we get closer and closer to this idea of what is true. And so, you know, as you said, a lot is, it's trial and error. It's, uh, and that's also the evolution of, of, of human beings. It's, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> When you think of maybe even something like Star Wars, you know, or, or we often hear these ideas like a council of the elders, you know, you never hear of a council of teenagers. <laughs> and again, it's not that teenagers are inherently less wise. They have a certain wisdom in and of themselves, a certain experience that's super valuable and, and, and to be taken into account. But there's something that comes with wisdom 
and and wisdom is very different from knowledge you know knowledge can be learned anywhere i can pick up a book and learn facts i can learn you know seemingly uh i I can learn about anything i want but wisdom is very different it's the it's the lived experience of actually going through these those things and finding on a really deep level what is true and uh and and that can come from age it can come through life experience you know it's not inherently correlated with age there there are many young people who are very wise through their life experiences and 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 again it's often a similar thing sometimes the darker our lives are the more wisdom arises because we're we're put in a situation where the stakes are very high. And again, we, we see it a lot in this work. You know, often some of the people who have the greatest trauma can have the greatest awakening experiences uh, because things are so difficult, so heavy, so dark that there's this sense that, you know, I can no longer live with that. It's too much. I, I have to let it go. If I don't, I will literally die. And you can see it, you know, maybe unfortunately in war, uh, you know, in, in, in very high stress jobs and in things where you're, the, the stakes become very high, almost to the, the level of life and death. But from that, there, there's a tremendous wisdom. And so I, I think that's just a huge part of life is it's, is it's, it is, as you said, it's a trial and error. It's a doing something. It's a falling up, picking ourselves back up. Uh, you know, again, in sports, that's a very valuable thing is to lose, you know, losing is essential because we learn so much from that. Okay. What, where was I off? What can be improved? Uh, it's the same with this work. You know, we, we often refer to this work as open heart surgery and not everyone is equal. You know, I would not want to go to an open heart surgeon who doesn't have a degree, who who thinks he knows what he's doing uh, or he got a degree from, you know, the, watch the, the video Cayman on Islands. YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Watch the video on YouTube. You know, it takes countless years. I mean, years and years of practice and you know, what, what the difference between someone who just starts and someone who's been doing it for years, they may know the same thing, but there's a very different quality, you know, for, for example, if if I'm running a ceremony and, you know, I read in a book that these plant medicines, uh, you know, they're always helping you. You're never going to die. It's always for the best. But it's a very different quality. If I come, if I approach someone in ceremony who's having a very difficult time and I tell them because I read, everything's going to be fine. You're going to be okay. It's all good. <laughs> There's a much different resonance and someone will pick up on that. Someone will feel that. Then if I've been in that situation myself many, many times, and I've worked with people many, many times, and I've seen time and time and time again that things truly are okay. And perhaps I can even see where they are in that journey, that there's a trust in me, again, through experience of, oh, that's where you are. And that's actually really good. Things are actually really okay. And, and, and that's not a knowledge. It's, it's, it's a wisdom. And, and it's not because I'm better than someone else or I'm different. It's just simply doing that over and over again. There's a very deep trust that's built. There's a very deep wisdom of, hey, things are actually good. 
And that's a different resonance. Someone feels that much, much differently. So yeah, I guess kind of a long answer, but yeah, you know, a lot of this, it is, it's just, it's, it's, that's how life is. It's, it's this constant back and forth, this constant light and dark and good and bad. And, but where, where is the center? And that's what, for me, all of these spiritual traditions are pointing towards, you know, finding the center, the middle way, the harmony, the balance, you know, they use so many words, but it's pointing towards the same thing union which is balance you know for from from an egyptian point of view you know weighing your heart on a scale and it has to be as light as a feather that's a hugely symbolic metaphor uh because you know for me what it's trying to say is you know any anger any resentment any pain that's in your heart that weighs on you and it's going to weigh more than that feather but to be to be truly free it has to be liberated and the only way to do that is actually to go in and to get to the root of that. Where is that anger coming from? Where is that fear coming from? And as we do that, slowly the heart begins to be as light as a feather. Things begin to come into balance. Uh, you mentioned Thomas Sowell. You know, he, he was a very fascinating guy. He was a Marxist when he started. He went to one end of the spectrum. You know, and through time, he probably went to another extreme. And, but, you know, even as, as, as because I, I actually have a tremendous respect for Thomas Sowell, even as I've seen him get older, even with him, there seems to be a balance. There seems to be an understanding, you know, deepening of the knowledge. But that just comes from work. And it, it comes from, from constantly questioning, you know, what is real, what is true. And, and, and that's all, that's all of our work. So... Yeah. Yeah. And there's an interesting, you know, commonality between between us and that I don't necessarily find in a lot of places, which is the, uh, you know, the ideas of, of libertarian philosophy, plant medicine, spirituality, Buddhism, spirit, you know, other spiritual traditions. And, and it, it, it it's, uh, you know, for me, and I, I suppose the same is for you as well, but I'll, I'll let you speak to that. Uh, for me, it's like, man, I just, I just, I'm always just keep him open. You know, I'm just open to, I'm interested in knowing, well, if this person has some ideas, I want to know what they think and what their truth is and investigating that. And I feel that there is a, you know, it's almost like there's such a shutdown sometimes, you know, within this, the being open to ideas that maybe uh, other people would just tell you, well, that's not the correct idea. So you're like, oh, okay. And I, I see that as probably, it's, it's probably a shutdown from within, like within oneself, like not even really knowing, you know, uh, my girlfriend Jenna was telling me the other day, like there's uh, you know, one, one of her friends like doesn't even know what she feels. And it's like, how, if you don't know what you feel, like how could you even know the, you know, what other people are saying is, is how could you even know that you could be open or closed to these, these things? And why would you be closed? Why wouldn't you at least, you know, take a little peek inside and see what, why this is or isn't, um, or whatever the nature of that, uh, particular idea or philosophy or, or theory is. Um, so yeah. And, and, and I, I suppose also something that comes along with that is a, a degree of isolation as well. You know, when you're talking about uh, the story before with, with, uh, with the troops and, and the Lakota is like, 
and black elk, you know, it, they, they didn't even, you know, he had to stand alone almost, you know, in this, in this principle. So there's a sort of a, a again, back to this fear. Well, I don't want to be alone. Well, I don't want to be on the wrong side. I don't want to have the wrong opinions. I don't have, I don't want to have the right, you know, the wrong ideas. Um, and that, that, that creates such, such a sea of, of confusion. And I think that, you know, I'm interested to get your take on, you know, what I've, what I've been saying, but also about where to look to for wisdom, you know, where to look to for wisdom, because I look at the work that you're doing and the work that the other people that, that are down there are doing uh, many, many wonderful people that are engaging in a sort of, um, relationship where there is a a teacher an apprentice you know something that has been a tradition for a long time that we've sort of gotten away from at least in america and maybe other parts of the world the apprentice the role of the apprentice the role the role of the the sort of wise teacher that's going to take you under their wing and guide you along in a in a, in a process for an extended period of time so I don't know. There's a question in there somewhere, but just if anything kind of resonated with, with or if anything, um, not resonated, uh, but uh, if, if anything uh, comes to mind about what I've, what I've been saying, uh, please, uh, you know, elaborate on that, if you will. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I mean, I think any, anything can, can lead to wisdom. Uh, you know, I've, I, I've since a very young age been interested in a lot of these kind of esoteric practices and religion, spirituality. So that, that has been a, a big part of my path for a long time. Um, but also, as I mentioned, uh, something like jujitsu, sport. I, I've learned a tremendous amount in that. I mean, jujitsu has been a huge, huge teacher for me. Uh, I, I use examples from that all the time. Uh, probably a lot of the people who I work with here are tired of hearing those examples because I use them so much. But it's, tra it's, it's taught me a tremendous amount. Uh, you know, I, I, I had this amazing girlfriend for a while. Um, and, you know, she, she really wanted to, I think I was doing a Vipassana or something, and, and she, she wasn't able to do it. But she wrote to me one time and she said, you know, I, I don't think I really need that. She said, I, I have a garden and I think everything I need is right here. And... Uh, it was just so true, you know, something like gardening, it can teach us everything. Every principle in life is represented in that garden. If one really looks and observes, one can see everything. And, and I think that's the case with anything. I mean, if you're a janitor, you can learn everything through that, you know, through, through how you sweep, how you mop, how you clean, what emotions arise, what, what, what beliefs come up with that. It's, you know, anything can be tremendously powerful. Um, you know, having said that, I think, as you were alluding to, something that we've, we've potentially really lost in a lot of the cultures we've come from is this idea of a ritual, uh, of, of, of a very specific time and place that we allocate towards to going into these these very altered states of consciousness and for many people that may seem very strange although i think you know especially in this time we're we're getting much less hesitant to those ideas a lot of the work that's being done with, with psilocybin through very legitimate universities like johns hopkins and harvard and uh, imperial college 
Uh, I mean, there's just, uh, there's a growing abundance of, of information showing that the real power of these plants, um, and that's a beautiful thing. Now, with that, I think it is also very important to, to understand the context in which these have been traditionally used. Um, and it doesn't have to be plants. You know, there's things like vision quests of, of, of going out, isolating oneself, fasting, um, tremendously powerful too. I mean, I mean, we work with those here with plant medicines too. It's, it's usually isolation and fasting and working with plants to, to, to amplify that process as well. Um, but I think in so many cultures, this was a huge part of their wisdom, of their understanding, of their bringing balance into their lives, into their families, into their communities, understanding better their place in the universe. And, you know, these altered states of consciousness, it's, if no one has done this work, again, it may sound like a very strange thing, you know, like, like hippies dancing around. And, and, you know, it was one thing that, that really kind of off put me to this work for a long time, because I also had that, that kind of impression. And, it, you know, while there is something powerful about that, I, I think, again, a lot of the context was lost, you know, the tradition was lost, which, again, is very, very important that the, the set, the setting. Um, and so, I think traditional cultures all over the world have used these plants, again, to really go in and to see things from a different perspective, which for me is one of the fundamental things which we, you were talking about, this idea of wisdom. It's, it's fundamental in Buddhism, for example, which is seeing things from the other side. That's actually the definition of wisdom. And it's something these plants have a tremendous ability to do. And, you know, and again, this, this, this idea of an altered state of consciousness, you know, it may kind of scare people or put people off, but it's a very natural process. Again, like this idea of entropy, of change, our, our consciousness is never static. We're never just like this the entire time. It's constantly flowing. It's constantly changing. The, the state of consciousness I'm in right now is very different as if, if I was arguing with you or if I was making love to my partner, or if I was cooking or driving a car or meditating uh, or sleeping, you know, sleeping is a highly, highly altered state of consciousness. We spend a third of our lives, you know, if, if we didn't know what sleeping was, we would be terrified of it. Because if you look at someone sleeping, they are essentially dead. Their body is completely unresponsive and they are somewhere else. They are in another dimension, universe, whatever you want to think, and yet their consciousness is fully aware, it's fully present, and it's not their body. They could be a bird, they could be a child, they could be an old person. It's literally a realm of infinite possibilities. And I think many cultures throughout the world have realized that that's a very profound state. And there's been a reverence for the dream state. And through working with plants, essentially what those plants are doing is inducing that dream state but it's doing it in a way where we're actually able to participate in it where we're in essence we have one foot in the dream space but we also have one foot in this reality and now in, in that way whatever we learn in that space we're actually able to integrate that into our lives and you know one of the the, the most common things that that i've seen through doing this work and, and we touched on it a little bit before, is this idea that all of our suffering comes from the mind that thinks it knows. 
the mind that labels, I am this, I am that, that person is this, that person is bad. I'm suffering because this person did that to me. I'm suffering because the world is this way. And what very often arises through, through this initiation experience, through this ritual experience of working with plants, is a state of wisdom, is a state of being able to see things from the other side, being able to see through the eyes of the person that, that I have a grudge with, uh, through seeing through the other lens and and an understanding, you know, an understanding of where that's coming from. And inevitably what usually begins to arise with that is a real sense of compassion. That this thing that I've been holding on to, it's not inherently bad. And and more than that, it's not, it's it doesn't have to be who I am because it was in the past. But every time I think about that, every time I, 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 I bring that into the present, I'm feeding that. I'm keeping that alive. I'm, I'm flaming the, the, the fire to continue to burn with that. But how do we get rid of that? And one could say that, that maybe the only way or, or a very wise way is to go in and to investigate that, to actually see where the root of that is and to actual, actually resolve it, to come to peace with it. Because when we resolve it, then it's no longer a part of who I am. And in that way, there is this tremendous wisdom that begins to arise. Yeah. This isn't absolute. This was simply, this was me thinking this into reality. And you know, we have to be very careful with that because it's not that the thing didn't happen. It very well may have happened. Most likely it did happen. But as long as I keep feeding that, then that's part of me. And if I can understand where that came from, why that came from, how that happened, and I can resolve that and I can bring compassion to that and understanding to that, then it's no longer a reality. It happened, but it's no longer in this reality. And in that sense, I'm now free of it. I'm free because I've chosen to let it go. We have these expressions in English, you know, like, like the, the, the baggage that I'm carrying around or this weight that's on my shoulders. And that's real. We are carrying that around. And it, it's not that, you know, it's my fault that I'm doing that. That's the human condition. That's what we all do. But through this process of going in and resolving these things, we have the ability to let that go. And so again, there is this very powerful mechanism, which is plant work, uh, which gives us this ability, I, I think, to, to really cultivate wisdom. And, you know, for me, the the goal of this plant work it's you know it's not inherently to talk to the lemurians and understand the akashic records and you know shoot thunderbolts out of my hands that may be important in someone's journey but as as one of the 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 curanderos one of the the doctors that i work with puts it really well her name is lila and uh I'm, I'm hoping to have her on on my show when i start it fairly soon you know she says simply that this work is just to be happy that's it it's to be happy it's it's to be at peace and when we're at peace 
that comes through wisdom. It comes through bringing things into harmony, into balance, not holding on to the past, not worrying about the future, but just simply being in a state of presence. And, and there's often two words that I hear when people work with these plants that really something resonates in me that, that, that really shows that that person is doing that. And, and those two words are, are gratitude and humility. And when someone is in a state of gratitude and humility, they're not holding on to the past. They're not worrying about the future. There's a gratitude for being alive. There's a gratitude for every single thing that's actually happening. And that humility of just being in awe of the state that we're actually in. <laughs> you know, we're, we're human beings living in this amazingly psychedelic experience of plants bursting out of the ground and birds and insects. And we're seemingly floating on this ball through space in this cosmos that's, that's a grain of sand in a universe that's expanding. In our wildest dream, we couldn't imagine this. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You, you only have to be the thing that you're being with the identity that you think you want to be for that period of time, but it's all, you know, you realize that it's just a choice and you can let it go. And I think that's like so much liberation comes with that. You know, it's just this, this, but so many people derive their identity, you know, from that. And that's okay for that period of time. You'll come to a time when, when you won't maybe, you know, or maybe you will, I, or, or maybe you won't ever come to that time, but it's everybody's own individual process. I mean, it's, it's really amazing when you do realize like, oh shit, like, you know, I, I've been, I've been choosing this particular identity for myself and I don't have to choose that. Like I, I can, I can drop that if I want to. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, amazing, Jason, really. Um, yeah, looking forward to, uh, looking forward to your podcast, man. So I, I maybe tell, uh, talk a little bit about that and, and, and what's, uh, inspired you to create that. And, and, uh, if you want, if not, you know, but, uh, I, I assume that, uh, by the time I put this out, it'll probably be in, in, uh, in motion. So, uh, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about that and then we can uh, kind of wrap things up. There's, there are, I see some voices who are, who are talking about this work, uh, but often it, it's voices of maybe people who have come down and who've worked with these plants and, and, you know, really taken and learned amazing things and then extrapolating things from that. But I don't really see any voices of, of people who are actually doing this on, on a day-to-day -day basis, doing it you know, on the ground, working in it um, from, from the, the, the doctors, the, the healers, the, the people who facilitate this work, the people who are helping to teach and, and running these places. So I'm, I'm hoping it's really just a, a, a platform to give these people voices to, to, to show this work, uh, maybe in a way that a lot of people wouldn't have access to. Um, and, and maybe it encourages some people to begin to work with these plants and, and, and even more so people who have worked with these plants just to, in their own integration journey, to, to be able to listen to something that, that hopefully helps them to develop and, and to continue to learn and, and to actually to actually hear things from, from people who are in this and, and, and potentially can share whatever wisdom they've learned. So, um, yeah, that's, that's really the idea behind it. 
That's amazing, dude. Yeah. Reporting from the front lines. I love it. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I feel like it's just going to be awesome. So definitely, uh, check that out. I'll have, I'll have the links in the show notes and stuff so people can go and they can find you and they can find it and they can, they can listen. Cause, uh, yeah, man, I could listen to you for, for a long time. And, and I know uh, a lot of people out there listening probably agree with that, that as well. So yeah, thanks so much for, for being on. It was good to, to reconnect with you and uh, everybody till next time, Jason Grachanik. Thanks my man. Yeah, my pleasure, everybody. Mike. Thanks for listening to the show. You guys know what to do. If you love the show, just like it, share it, spread it, subscribe, of course, subscribe. Uh, leave a five-star rating review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Apple Podcasts is the one that helps the most. It's kind of like the Google search for podcasts. So leave a five-star rating review on there if you can. Really helps the show. Really helps uh, boost my ego. <laughs> and uh, no, but if you want to become a supporting listener, supporting member, you can go to patreon.com and uh, donate as little as a dollar a month. At $5 a month, you start to become... Uh, a, a private Discord member to the Mycadelic Inner Sanctum and all that other stuff. So uh, thanks for listening again. Check out studentloantutor.com. Tell them Mike Brancatelli, Mike Delic sent you. And hempbombs.com. Put in the code Mike15 and get 15% off all your CBD needs, wants, desires. Peace. <laughs>